Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Is dancing uh, time, undoubtedly, right? Old school there. We might as well just call the whole thing a pirate report. Welcome in, everybody. We got uh, comments from Coach Godwin ahead of the first baseball game. We'll also hear from pirate reliever uh, Matt Bridges. And then Coach O, Gary Overton, will be with us. Uh, We'll uh, get his thoughts on the upcoming college baseball season. Uh, It is a busy uh, day as far as that goes. Don't forget, pirate baseball starts tomorrow. Uh, right now, the scheduled 4 o'clock first pitch. You'll hear every pitch of every game right here on 94.3 The Game. Uh, ben Byron producing today's uh, effort. Uh, some things to get into. We could jump into some more of this next week because, again, we got so much other content. I want to make sure that we're on top of uh, all of that today. But uh, the governor, it's been reported today, I guess he had a press conference today with what was going to be uh, his normal COVID update, but also with uh, what was expected to be a lot worse ice uh, out in the western part of the state, which thankfully was not the case. Uh, But uh, apparently the governor says there's going to be a new executive order next week that will allow spectators to spring sports. I keep this in mind. Tomorrow, the pirate baseball season starts. And a scant few people are going to be allowed into the game, not really fans. It's going to be mainly uh, parents and family members of the players. I think parents of the players or guardians, you could say. And, I mean, that's great. I'm glad they're doing that. But there's no reason you can't socially distance people outside. Uh, Of course, there's uh, a member of the legislature from Union County that has uh, started the initiative to allow more people than 100 to high school football games. And that might be part of the reason Cooper is going to go ahead and jump the gun and do this. Uh, ben, uh, did you see the American football schedule uh, being released uh, today and the ECU football schedule released today? Did you catch that? I did. It was released kind of very quietly. Uh, didn't really see it coming. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, when you think about these schedule releases, I mean, these conferences hype this stuff up for days in a lot of cases, don't they? Usually so. Usually you're... Like there's a countdown on social media or videos or... They just put it out at 11 o'clock today. Here you go. Here's the schedule. So the pirate football schedule is out. I mean, I'm not blaming the ECU folks. They're just kind of waiting for the American to do what they're doing. But the American decided to just kind of roll out a schedule today without a lot of fanfare, right? Uh, of course, it uh, counts uh, as the ECU schedule, the September 2nd Thursday game in Charlotte against Appalachian State, the home opener on uh, September 11th against South Cackalack. I uh, still think that that one, I, that one's probably, I feel pretty good about that now. There, a month ago, I, I might have uh, thought that South Carolina might have tried to, to buy their way out of it, but who knows? Uh, hopefully not. Uh, at Marshall on the 18th for the first true road game, Charleston Southern on the 25th. Homecoming, ain't no coming like a homecoming, October 2nd against Tulane. Uh, and then a game against uh, UCF on the road to open uh, the conference road slate. Pirates will get the open week and then at Houston on the 23rd. So that's a tough little two out of three week stretch. Uh, Here is part of the caveat. Either the USF game uh, against the Bulls is either going to be on a Thursday or Saturday. And the Temple game scheduled for early November at home. Also either going to be on a Thursday or Saturday. Both could be on Thursday. Both could be on Saturday. 
could be on one or the other, but you got to think there's at least a home Thursday game in the ECU 2021 football schedule. The 13th, the Pirates will play at Memphis, and then on the 20th, head to Navy, and then they'll close things out on either the 26th or 27th of uh, November against Cincinnati. I think there's six or seven bowl teams on the uh, slate. And again, you know, it's, there's also some really interesting games non-conference-wise. Uh, you know, South Carolina ECU's counted among those in the American, but the problem is they just they, there was nothing to promote this today. And you can't come out and make these big proclamations I mean, I, look, I couldn't care less. I, th- those things aren't for me. Those are for the fans, right, Ben? I mean, that's who the fans, the fans kind of get hype about that. Yeah, they eat that, that stuff it. up. They yeah. love things like that. I, I, you know, and I, I'm i fine with it. I, I couldn't care less one way or the other. But if you're trying to make a case that you're a big-time league, little things like that, you just don't drop your schedule. You promote it up. This is a big deal. This is worth your time. This is worth you watching our football product. And they just kind of rolled it out. They're like, eh. they get, they get more excited about that stinking clam bake in Rhode Island than they do the scoop, the football schedule release. Like I, I don't even know why it was in Rhode Island. I would, that, that's where the headquarters used to be. Right. Well, why the headquarters, the headquarters were up, up there. The, the headquarters were in Providence. Well, that's just where the, the big East was. And that's kind of how all of that started. But look, the American was a trendsetter. Like a lot of businesses from New York and California, they moved to Texas. But just to come out and, I mean, I'm not kidding you, Ben. You know this. We get bombarded with literature and emails about this damn clam bake every year. That, I mean, what what media? We sit through it and we watch it and they may mention ECU for maybe about two, three minutes out of a two-hour show. And it's just like, well, I'm glad I watched that. But what I'm saying is. What media company in this day and age is going to send somebody to stinking Rhode Island exactly. late summer to, to hobnob? I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's a corporate thing. That's something that the coaches and ADs do, and it, it's a big hobnobby situation. Usually one player from each school would go, one or two players. Right. But, I mean, and, and I mean that, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm getting at is they make a bigger deal to the league office about that than they do releasing the schedule. And they've got some good games on the schedule. Uh, speaking of schedule release, the uh, Wood, Wood Ducks dropped their schedule today as well. They're going to be playing starting in May. AAA baseball is going to start around the time that uh, Major League Baseball does, kind of how it traditionally does a week after the Major League season. So the Bulls, for example, will be starting things up kind of early. But uh, I know that the uh, the Wood Ducks, it doesn't look like they're going to fire things up to May. And then uh, Carson Wentz, in case you missed it, Ben will have more on this uh, coming up bottom of the hour. But uh, it is uh, official, I guess. He's been traded to Indianapolis. I think that's the best spot for him, given all that could have happened. That made a lot more sense than Chicago, in my mind. Carson Wentz doesn't have to be... Um, he doesn't have to be... Who, Ben? He doesn't... He, he could be more Tom Brady, in a way. Uh, or maybe more of a guy that just kind of manages the game and, and doesn't have to be Patrick Mahomes, right? I mean... This Indianapolis team is really good. Yeah, They've I mean, got a really, really good defense. They run the ball well. He's got probably, I mean, fair to say right now, he's got better weapons than he had the last couple of years of Philly. Wentz does? I think so. I, w- I would say so outside of the Super Bowl year, of course. Uh, I would, right. Without a right. doubt, he's easily got some of the best weapons, and part of that's due to drafting. I mean, they drafted absolutely terrible in terms of getting weapons for him. I mean, you got Jalen Rieger over, who was it? DK, JJ Arcega Whiteside over DK Metcalf and 
Jalen Rieger over Justin Jefferson, just dumb little moves like that in the draft kind of really hindered his progress but he, in Philly. But he's got better receivers in, in Indy now. Oh, yeah. I think, on the whole. I mean, that's what I'm getting at. He, I, I mean, I think this is a great landing spot for Wentz, quite personally. Yeah, not only that, the head coach was your offensive coordinator the year yeah. y'all went to the Super Bowl, your best year where you could have been MVP. Uh, instead, you got an injury there late, but you could have yeah. very easily won the MVP that year besides yeah, Tom Brady. Winsylvania, absolutely. So Carson Wentz to the Colts. Uh, we, we we don't really have time today, but we can get into more of this Monday. I do think this may change. Actually, I don't think it really changes the dynamic for Watson all that much, but uh, at least it's interesting when you compare some of the quarterback deals. All right, uh, let's grab a break. We'll come back. Uh, we'll recap everything said today that was of note at the ECU pre See, I guess you could call it the uh, pre-game media conference, Cliff Godwin's weekly conference via Zoom. Uh, we've got that for you. Uh, we'll also hear from uh, Pirate Relief Pitcher Senior Matt Bridges. And later in the hour, Gary Overton. Coach O joins us on the phone. So stay with us. Patrick Johnson Show. Hey, the Pirate Baseball season begins tomorrow. Uh, scheduled for a first pitch of 4 o'clock. Let's hope everything works out weather-wise. Uh, that's always the trick, right? Uh, but we do know this. Uh, we'll have every pitch of every game for you during the course of the season right here on the flagship of the Pirates, 94-3, the game. Also, I can tell you this. Both teams are in the clear. Uh, Coach Godwin uh, announcing during his uh, weekly press conference today uh, via Zoom that uh, the Pirates all came through, tested positive, uh, and on the right side of things with their COVID testing for the week. Cliff Godwin. First statement, big wins for the day is the Pirates are, as of today, are, are all negative. COVID, all coaches, everybody in the, I think it's called the tier one bubble. Don't quote me on that, but the tier one bubble, Malcolm, I don't think you're in the tier one bubble, but uh, um, tier one bubble people, athletic trainers, everybody associated with the baseball program is negative. So we'll be full strength tomorrow going into the game, which is exciting. Uh, the other thing is I was sitting here thinking, as Malcolm was saying, you know, you get to open it up. It's it's almost like the, the first day I was going to be the head coach and coach a game um, against UVA back in 15 because we haven't played baseball in so long. So uh, I have, you know, just you just anticipated this day, but not sure with COVID if you're going to play and all that good stuff. I know our guys and our staff are just ready to go out there tomorrow and, and play baseball against somebody else besides ourselves. And as for uh, the roadies, the Rhode Island Rams and their COVID uh, testing, Coach Godwin discussed uh, that and what opponents of the Pirates will have to do this year. Anybody we play this year has to meet the minimum requirements for the AAC, which is two tests per week. So the Rhode Island coach, you know, text actually Jeff Palumbo this morning and said they were all clear. So that and then they there's there's forms, obviously, that are passed back and forth uh, amongst the administration. So at least we don't have to handle that as, as baseball coaches. That's going through probably Mike Hanley and JJ and, and Womack, they handle kind of the behind the scenes stuff. So they're good to go. Um, and, and they'll be heading down here today at some point in time. Of course, Tyler Smith going to get the ball in the season opener for the Pirates. He'll be starting on the mound 18 and three, the last three years as a starter. And uh, the senior uh, has been uh, excellent for uh, ECU in that role. This is uh, what coach Godwin had to say about him this week. Of course, we've 
battled some weather this week. Monday we scrimmaged just a little bit. Tuesday, which was the you know nicest day, we had to give him a day off, and we gave him that day off. I really have not been around Smitty that much, as crazy as that sounds, but we had a team meeting on Wednesday and just more so with the younger guys, you know, I said, Hey, Smitty, have you done anything different this week? And he goes, no, I go exactly. And that's the way we approach as a program that we're staying the same. I mean, nothing's changed. We're going to focus on the processes that have got us to this point. And when I mean this point, I mean, Matt Bridges processes are different than Smitty. Smitty's are different than Seth Goodell's and so forth. So the guys are really focused on what, each individual needs to do to prepare themselves to be ready tomorrow night, and then we've done the same as a team. Cliff Godwin was asked to give a scouting report on the Rhode Island Rams. The tough thing has been there's not a ton of recent video on pitchers as last year was COVID, and um, it's just been harder to get information. And and I can tell you this, I know the kid's name that's going to start for him on Friday night. He's a right-handed pitcher, but I really don't know much about him. Uh, he was hurt some last year. Stuff wasn't as good as it was two years ago. So there's going to be some uncertainty about who we're facing, what's going on as much as any game we've ever played. I go back to the Quinnipiac game. It's hard to get video of those guys. And the video we had of pitchers was from a high home and you couldn't tell if it was a fastball or a breaking ball. And I felt you know, as a coach, you want to prepare your guys just for what they're going to see, especially the hitting side of it. And, you know, I felt naked going into that game. And, and that's not the reason we lost the game. But we, we don't have a lot of information. Uh, we have looked for it, but it's just not out there. And the thing our guys have to do a tremendous job of early, especially hitters, is communicating to the other batters what they're seeing at the plate. And, you know, Bryson's going to lead off for us tomorrow. There's your little scoop there, Ronnie, with the lineup. Bryson's going to lead off for us, and he's going to have to come back with information to the next guy. And the next guy is going to have to pass it on, and we're just going to have to do a really good job of communicating early on in the game. Cliff Godwin with us uh, here. We were uh, there with our microphones via Zoom. Uh, Cliff Godwin talking about, uh, well, the weather. Not so good. Uh, good right now what is the forecast for the game well the positive is it's not snowing I mean you look back to last weekend early on uh last week it looked like it was going to snow for four days straight and I looked at the radar this morning early and uh, I don't know 30 40 minutes north and west of us it was sleeting so definitely uh better to be water than snow or ice uh for everybody involved including Joey Perry and look uh I'm not a weatherman you guys know that uh, we're, we're going to do everything we can to play tomorrow, even if we have to back it up to 6 or 7 o'clock at night. It's going to get out of here at some point in time, but if not, then we'll strap it on and play a doubleheader on Saturday and one game on Sunday. And the follow-up question from uh, Willie Beaver, our pal Billy Weaver from WIT and 7, sports director Billy Weaver from WIT and 7, about being flexible uh, in 2021. That's the thing COVID has done to everybody is there's no certainty about anything there's no certainty about tomorrow there's no certainty about four or five hours from now Um, so we've told our guys you have to be ready to bob and weave and adapt you know that's one of the things that we talked about in the fall a ton and be ready for whatever be ready for no fans which we prepared for that and uh, we'll just take it one minute one second at a time, one pitch at a time, and see what happens. Al Myatt, uh, Bonesville, uh, his view from the east, he uh, asked about, uh, was it ever decided what was going to happen when the Pirates got to conference games with these four uh, games in three days that they were going to play, including one day with double headers? Here's the answer. We're going to play four nine-inning games. Um, 
And it's not a set day, but most of the conference teams, we're going to play the doubleheader on Friday. And the reason we're doing that is for a couple of reasons. Number one, there's no midweek games, so your pitching can be rested for the previous weekend because there's no midweek. And secondly, you want to get the games in as soon as possible if the weather is okay, because we know there's weather. We play outside. So if we can get two games in on Friday, knock that out to start with and then worry about the next two for the next two days. Would you say that more innings helps teams with more pitching depth? Normally, that, that's what that that's what helps. And then the other thing is the NCAA has given the American a waiver, so it'll be the MLB extra inning rule in conference. So, um, you know, if a game, you know, normally would have gone like 13, 14 innings, hopefully it'll not go that long because a runner will start at second base in conference. That's just in conference, though. That's not – Tomorrow night, we could play 18 innings if, you know, it went into extra innings. We're going to ask Gary Overton when he joins us in a little bit about uh, some of these very things uh, as far as uh, Tyler Smith or Cooch Maynard uh, as your uh, Friday night starter. But uh, Coach was asked about what made Tyler Smith the guy. I talked to Smitty and Cooch together. Uh, you know, I feel like we've got really good relationships and brought them in together. And I said, look, I love both you guys. Um, both of you guys have to be Friday night starters as what we've told our entire pitching staff that's going to be starters. We want all of our guys to be Friday night starters. One guy's going to get the ball on Friday. One's going to get it on Saturday. One's going to get it on Sunday. But Carter Spivey most likely will get the ball on Tuesday. He needs to be a Friday night starter pitching against Duke. And the more Friday night starters we can have, the better we're going to be. Uh, Smitty over, you know, the, just the past four or five months has been a tick more consistent than Cooch has. Uh, Cooch historically gets stronger as the season goes on. So they know that, yes, one's pitching on Fridays, one's pitching on Saturday right now. But really, if Carson Wisenhunt and Carter Spivey has pit, have pitched as good as they, those guys have, they just have more experience. So they're going to get the nod early. And then um, those other two guys are going to push them. And then once Gavin gets healthy, he's going to push them as well. So um, it's uh, – as you guys know, it's a long season, and, uh, you know, our guys uh, will do a good job of doing whatever role they're put into. And that's the thing Tyler Smith talks to the younger pitchers about all the time is, you know, his junior year he probably put too much pressure on himself and worried about the wrong things, and that was probably his worst statistical uh, year here at East Carolina when the year before he was like, I don't care if you throw me in the bullpen, I'll pitch on the weekends, whatever. You know, whenever my name's called, I'll be ready to go. Coach was asked about uh, were there any newcomers uh, to the Pirate roster this year that he's excited about uh, seeing take the field. Uh, Coach followed up uh, the asker of that question with, uh, are you talking about a COVID freshman or a true freshman? And uh, just the answer from the questioner was, uh, anybody we have not seen. This is what uh, Coach Cliff Godwin had to say about that. Carson Wisenhunt. I'm, I'm excited for you guys to see him. Uh, he's special. He's a special talent. Uh, I think I've mentioned this last week, but Burley talked to him just in passing. Burley and I hit twice a week, and he just told Carson, hey, don't make the moment too big. Do what you've done for the past five, six months. You face some of the best hitters in college baseball, and don't make the moment too big. And I think if he does that, then he's going to be special. Uh Carter Spivey, you have never seen Carter Spivey like he's been, and he's walking around different. He talks different. His his 
confidence or swagger is just different. And, uh, you know, I think that's going to be exciting for you guys to see. Seth Cadell, I know he's not a newcomer, but the way he's played for the past five, six months is different. Um, AMAC is different. Uh, the two newcomers I think you guys will see a lot of will be Josh Moreland and then Riley Johnson. Uh, and then the, the two pitchers that are newcomers, uh, Josh Groves and, and Danny Bill, they're a little bit behind the other pitchers just because of some of the protocols. And you guys know where I'm going with that early um, when we first got back to school. But those guys have a chance to pitch a lot for us as well. Another question for Cliff Godwin about uh, tomorrow's or this weekend's uh, opponent, uh, Rhode Island. This is what uh, Coach Godwin uh, had to say as far as what stands out about the Rams. The only thing I can tell you about Rhode Island is I think it was 2013 or 14 at Ole Miss. It was 2013. I mean, Coach Knight was on that team because he reminded me of it. But we beat them on Friday night at Ole Miss. On Saturday, Coach Knight came off the bench and walked them off, which I didn't remember. So you might have to fact check that, Malcolm. But I don't think he would have lied to me about that. And then Sunday they beat us. So – they're very well coached. They have been to regionals before. Um, they're older, I, I think, on paper. So, um, look, I say this all the time. John Gilbert came out to practice yesterday. How's goods roll out? Rhode Island? I got no idea, John. If we play well, we got a good chance of winning. If we play like crap, then we got a good chance of losing. And, and that's the way we approach every game. So, I, I know I'm not answering your question. I know I'm not giving you any. Uh, bulletin board material, but that's the way we approach every game we go into. If we take care of us, then we're going to be in good shape. Uh, here was the requisite uh, no fans in the stands question. Uh, it's a question that uh, gets asked. We could do a drinking game. You might be drunk by now, but no fans in the stands. The question asked the coach Godwin, drink! Well, I, I think, and, and you guys have seen us play a lot, I think our dugout's pretty loose. I don't know if you would look over at our dugout and go, hey, Coach Godwin's got a bunch of soldiers over there. I want them to be themselves. Within the realms of being having some sportsmanship, I always tell our guys to stay on us and not say anything to the other team. But, you know, you've seen characters. I mean, Brickhouse carrying people from home plate and stuff like that. I guess that wouldn't be COVID-friendly now. But at the end of the day, I want them to be – themselves I want them to have energy I want our dugout to have energy and you know when we scrimmage um, every year since we've been here we have energy process points and how fast we get on the field how fast we get off the field how fast we get the ball around the infield so we still want to sell tickets virtually as I told our team the other day we want people to want to log in and watch us play and I want Matt Bridges who's sitting in the room here next to me when he gets a big strikeout to give a fist pump to his teammates and get him fired up uh, because that's a part of the game. And I think our guys will do a good job of that. Veteran pirate reliever Matt Bridges uh, then took his turn addressing the media throng uh, via Zoom. And this was uh, what the uh, relief pitcher for the Pirates had to say when asked about uh, looking forward to getting back out on the diamond after the way last season was abruptly halted. Yeah, I think we're really excited. Um, it's been almost a year now. Um, you know, um, you know, the decision to come back um, was was a huge one for me, and I just couldn't couldn't imagine myself not be, not being here this year. And uh, I think a lot of us have grown over the pandemic. You know, we've become closer as a team through our relationships and our bubbles being tight. And a lot of us have grown. You know, in the, in the game of baseball, we've been able to 
you know, focus on stuff that has helped us improve our games. And, you know, we're excited to get out there tomorrow. Matt Bridges, the red shirt, Shelby Sr. Discuss what made him decide to come back this year. I had originally had plans to go to um, chiropractic school. Um, I would have been there this year, but um, ultimately I, I made a career change just to be back this year with my guys. And um, I'm down doing the NBA program um, with Cam Colmore. And um, at the end of the day, I just couldn't look back 20 years from now. I had a phone call with Coach C after um, – after the season had ended and uh, he basically laid on the line with me and he was like, Hey, like if this is what you want to do, you know, go on to chiropractic school and not uh, come back and finish your career here. Don't ever look back on it. And um, vice versa. It was like, if you want to come back and play, don't ever look back and say, I wish I would have gone to school instead. And uh, sitting there thinking about it, I was like, there's no way that I would look back 20 years from now and say that I did not want to come back and play the game of baseball and finish on my own terms. So, that was probably the most important thing to me and just finished the game out like uh, that I'd started since, you know, I was four years old. So, And then Matt was asked about uh, not only getting a, a, a do-over, a mulligan, if you will, on his senior year, uh, and with everything going on, uh, is this something where uh, perhaps uh, you, you want to let his teammates know, and even to a degree I'm sure Matt Bridges realizes this, you don't want to take the opportunity to play baseball for granted. That's something that we take pride in every day is just to get 1% better and um, really love the game and being here with our guys. Um, so we set aside like 15 minutes a day and just really focus on something that can that can improve our game as well. But it's uh, it's really the camaraderie we have with, within the team, um, just being around each other every day. You know, I think that's what really keeps us coming to the field every day is, uh, is the love we have for each other, and that's what uh, builds our culture here at ECU. Matt Bridges talked about his battery uh, mate when he does make a relief appearance, 78 of them in his uh, pirate career, uh, uh, Seth Cadell, but also talked about the defense that plays behind uh, not only Bridges when he will make appearances this year, but behind this pirate pitching staff. Oh, yeah, it's, it's huge. Um, Seth and I have a great relationship. Um, he's back there about every day. He loves to catch our bullpens, give us, gives us great feedback, um, which is really important for us because we know we can trust him behind the plate. And um, the defense behind me, I mean, it's it's unreal with, uh, you know, you got Zach and Ryder and Norby and, you know, a lot of those older guys you guys have seen out there before. Um, they just – they make the routine plays and they make spectacular play, plays in practice. And, um, you know, we look at it as normal, but, you know, they do that every day for us. So we know that we can trust them behind us. So it's awesome. Matt was asked about uh, what it's like for him to, to play in kind of wet, chilly conditions, which uh, tomorrow the Pirates may be playing in. You know, uh, you know, I think we're going to get thrown with adversity like that all year. Um, we don't typically look to, like to look at it. It's just, um, you know, the other team has to play in those conditions just like we do. So, you know, that's what we take pride in is just being out there and being better than our opponent on any given day. ECU, Rhode Island, opening weekend. Uh, ahead of that, the Pirates uh, head coach Cliff Godwin and senior reliever Matt Bridges meeting with the media via Zoom today. Uh, and uh, Matt Bridges was asked about the things that he worked on in the offseason to get uh, – uh, well, just what he improved in his arsenal personally uh, in the offseason. Personally, for me, the biggest thing that I would work on over this offseason was my changeup. Uh, mostly out of the bullpen, I was a fastball slider guy, which I still take pride in those pitches as well. But um, just being able to develop that third pitch with Coach Dietz and AK um, has been huge for me, and I've gained a lot of confidence in it, and it's, uh, it's definitely something that I'll, I'll be able to use in games. Matt, there's obviously a lot of talent on the team. So when you're throwing live at bats or 
scrimmages, you're facing really good hitters. How much an advantage an advantage do you think that gives the pitching staff going into opening weekend? It's great. You know, um, we, we know that we have one of the best offenses in the country. It's uh, it's helped prepare us for uh, this, the teams that we're going to face in the future. And uh, we have a really tough conference and a really tough schedule. So, you know, I think it gives us a sense of pride on the team, but also knowing that we do, we do face those elite hitters in the box every day at practice. And, um, you know, we'll be able to face anybody that we come in contact with. And Matt was asked to talk about the pitching staff, which is uh, full of a lot of quality arms and how much confidence that instills uh, in uh, this Pirate baseball team. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're really deep this year. Um, we're excited. You know, um, our talent level is probably the, the most that I've had since I've been here in the six years. So, um, you know, talent, Our you know, our motto this year is toughness over talent. But, you know, just knowing that we have that and then developing the toughness within our team, it's going to make us a really tough opponent. So. And the final question was about the no fans in the stands. Drink! Yeah, you know, um, so we have dugout intent leaders um, to start off with. Cam, myself, Skylar Brooks, and Smitty. Um, you know, when we're at the dugout together, we're going to have dugout leaders that's going to keep the energy up. Um, but just like Coach Gowan said, you know, we're here to sell tickets virtually. So we want to put on a show for the fans, to bust it around the field, um, show some excitement on the mound, whether at the dish or – on the mound and just, um, you know, the fans are a very important part of ECU's tradition. Um, but we know that they're going to be there, be there with us in spirit. And, um, you know, then we'll get the guys to do a little jungle lap anyways, after some of those wins. So, you know, it's, uh, we're definitely going to, you know, know that they're with their, <laughs> that they're with, they're with us. So everything else going on in the world of sports right now, let's go to Ben Byram with an update, Ben. Thanks, Pastor Ben Barton here for your 94 through the game sports update. Pirate football's 2021 schedule has officially been released. The action all begins September 2nd as they battle App State in Charlotte. Then they will battle South Carolina at Dottie Ficklin Stadium for the first time since 1997. Other home games for the Pirates include Tulane on, on October 2nd, South Florida on either October 28th or the 30th, Temple on either November the 4th or the 6th, and Cincinnati on either November 26th or the 27th. The Pirates road games include UCF on October 9th, Houston on October 23rd, Memphis on November 13th, and Navy on November 20th. Elsewhere in college football, Michigan Wolverines starting quarterback Joe Milton has announced that he will officially enter the transfer portal with three years of eligibility left, and he has not used his redshirt season yet. From the NFL, quarterback Carson Wentz has been traded from the Eagles to the Colts for a 2021 third-round draft pick and a conditional 2022 second-round draft pick that could turn into a first-rounder. Wentz will join a familiar face in Indy as he will reunite with his former offensive coordinator and Colts head coach Frank Wright. Reports indicated that the Chicago Bears backed out of a trade talk for Wentz while the Panthers weren't interested. For college basketball, the McDonald's Boys and Girls High School American game has been canceled for the second year in a row. And some games tipping off later tonight. We start at 6 as Gardner-Webb travels to Radford. The Gardner-Webb Bulldogs are the underdogs in that game by 4 points. Campbell takes on Hampton. The Campbell Fighting Campbells are favored by 3.5 points. At 7, we have an American Conference matchup between Wichita State and Houston. Houston Cougars are the Seven and a half point favorites, 21st ranked Wisconsin host 11th ranked Iowa. The Iowa Hawkeyes are the two point underdogs at eight. Fourth ranked Ohio State matches up against Penn State. The Buckeyes are the favorites by four and a half points at non top ranked Gonzaga host St. Mary's. The Gonzaga Bulldogs are, of course, favored by a whopping 20 and a half points. Third ranked Michigan battles Rutgers. The Rutgers Scarlet Knights are the underdogs by nine points. 
And wrapping up all the action at 10 o'clock, 25th ranked San Diego travels to Fresno State. The San Diego Aztecs are the heavy favorites by 13.5 points. Some local high school hoops tipping off later tonight at 6, 2 and 7. Tarboro hosts 1 and 7. Jones Sr. at 6, 38 and 3. Kinston Vikings match up against the 5 and 6 North Lenore Hawks. The 7 and 2 Washington Pampack take on South Lenore. And at 7.30 in Greenville, 7-5, Jay Trose takes on winless Southern Wayne. Moving on to Major League Baseball, the San Diego Padres signed Fernando Tatis Jr. to a historic deal, grant him a 14-year, $340 million contract, the third-highest contract in MLB history behind Mike Trout and Mookie Betts, while former Heisman winner and Mets outfielder Tim Tebow has officially retired from baseball. If you're 94 through the game sports update, I'm Ben Byron. We return with we'll former ECU baseball head coach, Overton, Coach Overton with the P-Man after this quick timeout. As we told you, Pirate Baseball beginning tomorrow, the season opener against Rhode Island. Coach Gary Overton, uh, long associated with ECU Baseball, and uh, he will be back uh, with uh, the broadcast this year on the radio side. Looking forward to hearing from uh, Coach and looking forward to visiting with him from time to time uh, throughout the uh, season. Coach O, how are you? Patrick, really good, thank you, and uh, certainly an honor to be on with you today. Well, it's always great to check in with you, and uh, always great to uh, get your perspective on uh, what is happening with Pirate Baseball, and in this case, what's about to happen with uh, Pirate Baseball. Uh, the, you know, it's the time of year where hope springs eternal in the game uh, at all levels. Uh Major league teams starting out in uh, spring training. And every college team starts off this weekend with the same record. Uh, But uh, as much as the Pirates have coming back and there's much potential uh, as there is, uh, it it seems to me, Coach, they're just not the only team that can boast a lot of really good players returning. And uh, I I think this year stands to be, across the board, very, very competitive. Very much so. And uh, uh, quite a bit different than uh, we've... uh we've actually ever seen in that uh, there'll be many returning players on every roster throughout the country, which lends itself to having uh, quite a bit of depth to every team. Uh, as to the quality of those players, I'm, that certainly will be mixed as it always has been. But uh, to to have uh, probably the, uh, uh, the deepest uh, pitching staffs, the deepest uh, position players, that uh, any institution has had in, in quite some time uh, has to be exciting for almost every coach and every program uh, thereabouts. Um, as for ECU, I think first and foremost, uh, one has to look at not just the returning players and, and the number of returning players, uh, but the one player that will not be with us this year, and that being Alec Burleson, uh, a two-way guy who was phenomenal not just throughout his career, but especially to the start of last season. And I think if you ask anyone affiliated with the ECU program, he certainly was a go-to guy last year because of so many things that he could do, not just on the mound or with the bat, but uh, uh, he was one of the best outfielders I think Pirate fans have seen in quite some time. Um, the the number of uh, individuals he threw out on the bases, in addition to the plays that he made uh, defensively, uh, certainly lends him to be one of the best all-around players that I think ECU has ever had. But uh, uh, feeding off of your, your question, Patrick, yes, I, I think there's a lot of excitement through all camps, but especially 
in ECU's camp this year. Pitching uh, seems plentiful for Coach Godwin. And uh, Tyler Smith getting the ball on the uh, on the game Friday, the season opener. He's been very effective as a starter the last three years. Has won 18 games. Uh, and uh, he, if you look at, at the metrics... Uh, and I and I don't know how much you look at those things, Coach. But uh, you know, when, when you look at those next gen stats or, or whatever, they, I mean, he was he was next level as he started out last uh, season. Uh, very low ERA, uh, off to the two and one start. He'd been really stellar. I have to imagine a lot of that uh, you expect for him to continue as he gets the ball on Friday against Rhode Island. Yeah, and and certainly it, it's a big thing to any pitcher to be the Friday night guy. And to start the season uh, in that role, I, I think Tyler Smith has to be uh, uh, very uh, pointed to what is going to transpire for him this particular year. You mentioned the 2 and one record, and yes, the ERA at only 1.96 kind of speaks for what Tyler has done in a Pirate uniform. And that is, he doesn't wow you with his stuff, but at the same time, his numbers end up being very good. More important is uh, you, you mentioned the 18 wins, but uh, yeah, uh, minimal losses. And he's a guy that uh, goes deep into games. Uh, prior to last year, which was a shortened season, uh, he did occasionally have an inning that uh, that was either a big inning or uh, he had trouble getting out of. And, and that was not the case at all last year. He, he had certainly uh, from the year before to last year, matured as a pitcher and um, just displayed uh, a, a very fine and deliberate feel for the game. I think uh, pitching coach Dave, uh, Jason Dietrich would say that uh, he grew up uh, learning the feel for the game during the course or the early part of last season. So he's a guy that deserved the Friday night start, and he's a guy – it's not only capable of being a very good number one, but maybe what number ones are expected to do, and that is uh, to uh, to bring the ball back late in the game and uh, and have a win under the belt. Coach Gary Overton's with us. Uh, Jake Coochmaner, as I told Cliff Godwin earlier in the week, Coochmaner's one of those guys, if you're an opponent, you're saying to yourself, that guy's been there forever. There are guys that you always say that, you know, at a, at a, at a, on any kind of college team, it seems like so-and-so's been there forever. Coochmaner seems like that kind of guy. It just seems like he's been around in an ECU uniform for 10 years. Uh, having him as your number two, I mean, I almost would say one and one A as far as your, your two uh, opening weekend starters. Yeah, great point. Uh, a really good point there, Patrick, because you're, you're correct. E- either of those two could have been the Friday night guy. And, uh, yes, it does seem like Jake has been around a while. Um, and we all remember his perfect game. There, there's no question about that. Uh, few remember that he almost threw a no-hitter and even a possible perfect game the outing before. But uh, one of his biggest wins, and this goes back to your comment about him being uh, on the roster and a big part of the Pirate program for quite some time, in a limited role uh, the previous year, uh, none of us knew very much about Jake Kuchmaner. And then in the conference tournament, which the Pirates eventually won to capture a championship um, and move into a host regional spot, the, uh, 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 what do you call it? Not the driver's seat game, but the game that really kept us alive to get us into the championship game 
uh, Pirates were decimated in pitching yeah. and turned mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Jay Cooch Manor. It, it was a win off of uh, 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 a really solid conference uh, that particular year. Number of teams in the league with uh, uh, with very fine records and uh, and Cooch Manor's biggest win. So yeah, that was quite a while ago. And since then, what he's done uh, again, we mentioned the perfect game, but the uh, just the numbers that he's posted and. And uh, again, you call him one A this year. He was probably that as well last year. Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, I'm sure opponents are wondering when will he graduate. <laughs> uh, Coach, where does Gavin Williams eventually fit into all this? Uh, you know that that that's certainly a plus for the Pirates right there. I mean, uh, we all know that uh, just uh, during his freshman season, uh, before he uh, developed. Uh, an injury here or an injury there that is sidelined him for a while. But prior to that, um, it was known that uh, on the radar gun, he touched 100 uh, in a game against North Carolina, and he was uh, consistently at 97, 98 that night. Um, so we all know the capabilities that he has. Um, where he fits in, uh, as he shapes the injury bug, so to speak, uh uh, there are really only two roles for a Gavin Williams, and that's either as a starter or as the closer because he can be dominant. And at times he's shown that he's dominant. But again, uh, that injury bug that is bidding, uh, as he shakes that, one of those two roles is where he will fit into this strong and deep pirate pitching staff. I think if you're projecting him beyond the ECU program, that roll out of the pen is probably one that he seems tailor made for. Cliff Godwin yeah, really I, doesn't deal with you know a a, a closer per se, uh, but boy, if your if your pitching is is humming along and you've got a good rotation, boy, what a way to close games potentially and, and not tax Gavin. Uh, you know he's a competitor and wants to be out there, but but what a way to utilize his talents and and not overdo things for him this year potentially. Oh, yeah. And, and as you said, beyond the amateur level, as he moves forward, uh, let's not forget that he really has what um, what scouts or, uh, or pro organizations would call, he really has the perfect pitcher's body in that he's tall. He's uh, 6'6", pitches downhill, but uh, more important than that, uh, he has a tremendous upside, uh, meaning that uh, uh, that velocity will be sustained for quite some time. And he, he's a fairly strong young man. He's not frail at that six six um, height. Mm-hmm. Instead, uh, he's a guy that fits into the role of a of a very very capable closer uh, on the pro level. Uh, we could talk uh, just at our visit with you here about this uh, pitching staff. I mean, we haven't even gotten to to Wizenhunt, and uh, it's already looking like that. Uh, uh, even with the Duke game upcoming, that uh, that uh, game has also been uh, scheduled as well as at least the Pirates know who they're going to go with, uh, the, the righty Carter Spivey uh, in that one. So, uh, again, a lot of pitching depth for the Pirates this year. Lots of time to talk about, uh, you know, individual guys and their performances with Coach, but also Coach Overton at times throughout the year. Uh, there are tremendous newcomers on this roster. There are steady and explosive veterans. When I look at the lineup, Coach, there is a lot of home run potential, a lot of explosive power. Uh, but you know this as well as anybody. 
you you got to be able to do other things. We've seen Cliff Godwin teams win games by doing station or playing station to station baseball. Uh, does this team just have so much power that that, that they'll be able to hit through anything this year, or, or do you see them maybe being uh, well rounded like we've seen certain pirate teams in the past? Well, I see this team as being even more well rounded than uh, say those teams in the past because of the personnel it has. You mentioned power, and it, yeah, yeah, there's no question. I mean, uh, Bryson World, who's probably uh, the most, uh, I guess writers would call it the most toozy of uh, the players on this club. He's what's called a 5-2 uh, player. He, he really uh, has no shortcomings when it comes to uh, baseball athletic ability. But um, uh, yeah, a guy like him who's a switch hitter, hits with power uh, from both sides of the plate. Francisco, certainly with power. But when you look up and down the lineup, um, what I see is many more players, and, and this is a name that we've seen now for a couple of years, but uh, we see many more players like um, uh, Ryder Giles, mm-hmm. uh, like Connor Norby, who both uh, man the middle of the diamond. And Norby does have power. There's no question about that. He showed that at times earlier. And he may be the most underrated player on this club. Really, really good player who could develop um, even better with uh, with each of the two. But at the same time, he and Ryder Giles are as solid as it comes. Now, that's easy to say about the uh, second baseman shortstop combination because uh, that's the type of play that they want to develop in the infield. Still, um, when, you, when you talk about range, when you talk about uh, softness of hands, um, when you talk about at the plate and bat control, uh, when you talk about where they hit in the order, these are the type of guys that you want at the plate when the game is on the line. And with that being said, that's not to that's not to overshadow any anyone else in the lineup. It's merely to say that uh, these guys really have no shortcoming in every area of the game. And I think you're going to see more like that on the field. We know that Francisco is an excellent hitter. We all know that, and we know that um, he has the power. And we talked about the ability of World. But uh, uh, you're going to see more players enter the game this year that are are of the Ryder Giles type or mm-hmm. the uh, uh, Connor Norby type that uh, that make this a really tough team to pitch to, and at the same time a, a really tough team uh, that will defend against whatever you're trying to do. Airtime. Yeah, oh, I, go ahead, coach. Go ahead. Sorry. I see. I, I see this as a very well-rounded club. I uh, want to get your take on the Rhode Island series, a little preview on them. We talked about them on the show a little bit yesterday. I mean, this is a, a team that started to kind of get their legs when everything came to a screeching halt. And, you know, a lot of people who project these things felt like they would have ultimately won the A-10. So this is a, a program that lost its best player offensively from last year, but it's still a pretty solid group. They practice in the snow, Coach, so we know they're tough, right? Uh, uh, So I want a quick primer on Rhode Island, but I want to get your take on this Duke game. That's interesting to me on Tuesday, but but go ahead. Uh, Yeah, well, first of all, Rhode Island, you're right. Uh, And and we also see that uh, it looks like the the guy who posted the best numbers for him last year is going to pitch on Sunday, not on Friday. Right. So so this might be a team coming out of the north that – it's certainly seeking one win and hoping for a second in this particular series, and you see that happen quite often. But Rhode Island, no, no shortness of history in this club either. They've been a good A-10 program. Now, they've had their up-and-down years, we know that, but they are not the doormat of uh, the Atlantic 10. 
this is a club that uh, it can be tough. Uh, we mentioned uh, Vitale, who uh, will probably go on Sunday, but they also have a couple of power guys. And starting the year last year at 8-5, and five, and a team that has been in the past to uh, NCAA regionals, and it's not, uh, uh, not a stranger to that as such. Uh, maybe not in the class of, say, a St. John's, or maybe not a team like we saw in Stony Brook about what was it eight mm-hmm. or ten years ago. Yeah. But this is a team that's going that's coming out of the north, and by the end of the year, which is certainly advantage to the Pirates this coming weekend. But by the end of the year, this could very well be a club that you hear a lot from. Coach, what about the Duke game on on Tuesday? Here, here's what I know: um, Cliff Godwin is a competitive son of a gun. <laughs> that's Absolutely. not that's not exactly uh, breaking news. But would you look at uh, this Duke baseball team and what has been put together there uh, just the last few years from Chris Pollard? He's a competitive son of a gun too. And Chris Pollard uh, has. Uh, taken Duke's program and taken it to another level. And he's done so uh, by more well-rounded clubs. The, the history on Duke for years and years, they would always have two, three really good players, but maybe not real good clubs. And Chris Pollard is, has changed that culture. Uh, their program is there, um, as seen by the preseason rankings. I mean, they're, uh, uh, they're in the mid-range of the top 25. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And have been now for the last two or three years. Let's remember this too. Just a couple of years ago, they went into Vanderbilt, who eventually won the national title. This is a super regional and blew Vanderbilt out in the first game. Didn't beat them. Beat them really bad. And it looked as though Duke may uh, move on into the College World Series, which did not happen. And as we all know, Kuma Rocker threw a yeah. no hitter at him, yeah. which, uh, mm-hmm. which alleviated that. But this program from Duke now, uh, you mentioned well-rounded uh, players on this ECU team. Uh, you, you will see that from Duke. But what you will also see from Duke is some pitchers that stand out. And who we will see, I'm not sure it's been announced yet, but um, Chris Pollard, is, is he has made this a top 25 program, and that's where they sit as we speak today. Coach, there's a lot going on. Uh, Pirate baseball is uh, one of the things that uh, everybody's excited about and looking forward to the uh, season starting this weekend. We appreciate your time and look forward to catching up with you a little later on. Patrick, thank you so much. There he is, Coach O, Gary Overton. Great to talk to Coach. Hey, no show tomorrow. The opener for Pirate baseball, 4 o'clock first pitch, 345 airtime. Thanks to Ben Byram, also intern Joe. Stay warm tomorrow, intern Joe. Stay warm this weekend. Uh, Back Monday with Cliff Godwin.